Welcome to Deckert's Committed Capital. This is an episode of Sidecar, a special bite-sized discussion of the latest market issues. Hello and welcome to Committed Capital Sidecar, Deckert's series of bite-sized podcast episodes giving quick updates on developments affecting private equity. My name is Steve Leitzel and I am a partner in Deckert's private equity group. Hi, I'm James Fishkin, a partner in Deckard's Antitrust Group. On today's episode, we want to focus our discussion on Section 8 of the Clayton Act, which prohibits directors and board-appointed officers from simultaneously serving in those capacities for two or more competitors. While the prohibition on interlocking directorates has been a part of U.S. antitrust law for more than a century, the Department of Justice recently announced a number of director resignations that have resulted from its reinvigorated enforcement efforts in this area. Jim, why don't we start by your giving us an overview of Section 8 of the Clayton Act? Thanks, Steve. Section 8 of the Clayton Act, it's a foundational antitrust statute that has been around since 1914 when the Clayton Act was enacted. Section 8 prohibits the same person from simultaneously serving as either an officer or a director of two competing corporations. There are certain exemptions to Section 8. I'll quickly go through them. First, it does not apply to banks, banking associations, and trust companies. Second, the companies themselves have to have capital surplus and undivided profits aggregating more than approximately $41 million as of this year, which is adjusted annually based on the change in GNP. There are also certain safe harbors that apply. The first of these are that the competitive sales of either corporation must be less than approximately $4.1 million. Second, the competitive sales of either corporation are less than 2% of that corporation's sales. And finally, the head of sales of each corporation must be less than 4% of that corporation's total sales. Thanks, Jim. I think there's a lot to unpack there. The first thing I'd like to do is focus on a few of the terms you used, particularly if I'm thinking about this from the perspective of a private equity fund that may have multiple portfolio companies in a different industry. Uh, You use the word person. I think we should talk about what that means. And then finally, how how do I know if two of my portfolio companies are competing with one another? I mean, those would be the questions I would ask. Sure, Steve. These are all important definitional points in the statute. So a person obviously includes a natural person serving on the boards of these companies as either an officer or a director. Second, The issue is whether an entity can serve as a person. And by an entity, I mean, here's a company that is appointing one person to be on the board of company A and another person to be on the board of company B. And the Department of Justice and the Federal Trade Commission for many years have had the view that a entity is a person under Section 8 of the Clayton Act. And they have brought enforcement actions under that principle, including most recently just last month. 
and that term is also referred to as deputization. The question about what is competition and competitors under Section 8 is much broader than what we see in other parts of the antitrust statutes, such as Section 7 of the Clayton Act, which prohibits mergers that may substantially lessen competition. Under the statute, competition is just defined as where the elimination of competition between the two firms would violate any antitrust law. And so that's very, very broad. So, for example, if there's two companies, they're broadly in the same market, broadly in the same geographic area, they're offering a lot of the same or, or even some of the same services, that all falls under the umbrella of competition. We don't need, and the government doesn't get into the very arcane details that you see, for example, under the merger guidelines. The word in the statute is corporation. I guess we should talk about your view and whether it's settled law, whether this Section 8 prohibition would apply to, say, a limited liability company. This is a key issue, and it's an ongoing issue at both the Department of Justice and the Federal Trade Commission. By statute, under Section 8, if you take a strict reading of the statute, an LLC is not a corporation. There are other parts of the Clayton Act where there's differences between corporate entities and non-corporate entities. This issue has not been litigated in court, though, and the leadership at both the Federal Trade Commission and the Department of Justice have raised the issue that Section 8 predates the concept of LLCs and that, in their view, this is an issue that should be strongly considered and that under the spirit of Section 8, their view is, you know, an LLC really is a corporate entity. Separately, there is what's called Section 5 of the FTC Act, which prohibits unfair methods of competition. And the Federal Trade Commission has stated that, in their view, these non-corporate entities would be covered under their similar enforcement of the concepts of interlocking directors under Section 5 of the FTC Act. So it seems that there's a risk that it could apply no matter what the form of the organization. Another thing that I want to touch on is, is the risks of information sharing. I think for our clients listening to this podcast many of whom are private equity firms, and they may have a director who serves on the boards of multiple companies. And we've talked about whether those companies may be competitive or with one another or not. But even if you have, say, different people on the boards, what should clients be thinking about in terms of uh, information sharing between those companies and amongst those directors to make sure that they're staying clear of uh, any problems under the antitrust laws? And this is a great segue because you know, the real harm or concern with a Section 8 violation is whether there may be additional antitrust violations. And most important is this information sharing. So, so I'm sorry, let me stop you there real quick, Jim. Um, that's because the most the government can do is just tell you to resign as a director under Section 8, right? But it could be a segue into other potential antitrust problems. That's correct. And that would also apply to 
private litigation. So, for example, there's a hostile takeover or somebody just doesn't like this director, and this has come up before, and they can say, well, we're going to bring a Section 8 violation, so Person X cannot be on our board. But that's correct. There's no civil penalties. There's no criminal penalties. You know, in, in fact, it's just meant to clear the way so that these people can't be on the boards. But, but what you are worried about is that the government gets wind of this either from an SEC disclosure or in, through another governmental investigation, maybe under the HSR Act. And then they start realizing that there's a potential overlap here. And then they start looking into other potential antitrust violations. And that's why I think as we finish up here, Jim, it's probably worth coming back again to this importance of not sharing information yeah. among competitors. My advice to clients on this issue is where you may have somebody who's on the boards of two different companies where they could potentially get competitively sensitive information. You know, company A has, you know, a management presentation giving, you know, here's the three-year business plan, what they plan to do. They plan to spend a significant amount of capital on X or Y. They may want to grow into certain areas. They may want to do certain acquisitions. In those cases, the best advice is to put up some sort of firewall where that particular person is not obtaining information from the board or as a director. So, for example, if there's a PowerPoint presentation or a management deck, they do not get it in their package of information. Or if there's an ongoing meeting, a new topic comes up that's very important involving this competitively sensitive information, the best practice is for them to step aside and not hear that information and not be able to participate in a board vote on that information. That way, you're at least putting up a firewall or appropriate guardrails to prevent any sharing of information. So, for example, if the government finds out or determines that there's been a Section 8 violation or they're just in the middle of an investigation of that issue, they're gathering all the emails, documents, and the like. And if they can learn, ah, oh, there was a firewall anyway, this person never obtained any competitively sensitive information, that's a good break on any potential Section 1 Sherman Act violation, which is very helpful. And then in addition, if there is no exchange of information, then there's not going to be evidence of any coordinated behavior, which could lead to private litigation. And under the antitrust laws, by statute, if there's any shown harm or damages, the penalty is actually treble damages. So, for example, if there's $100 million of harm, by statute, that's automatically trebled. That would become $300 million of harm. Got it. So in conclusion, what I hear you saying, Jim, is Section 8, we need to be aware of the prohibition on interlocking directorates, but the story doesn't end there. And there are a number of other factors that just thinking about this issue is going to lead us into to make sure that we're staying on the right side of all of these different antitrust requirements. Well, Jim, thank you for joining me today and for your insight. 
for the audience. If you have found today's discussion interesting, please do not hesitate to reach out to your usual Deckard contacts with any specific questions. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Deckard's Committed Capital. Please subscribe, and for more information, visit deckert.com.